Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. And isn't it fitting that these teams that tied during the regular season at 90 and 72 still can't decide things through six games? This is how it's supposed to be. We told you, we told you. Baseball isn't boring. Yeah, Brian Anderson told the national audience signing off the other night. He said it. Baseball is not boring. Baseball is great. Yep. Once again, we were reminded of, of that on Sunday night. A great game all the way till it got out of hand. But the Texas Rangers, they beat the Astros. Here comes a game seven. Yep. Who's going to go the World Series? And to top things off, on the same day we have a game seven, we have the Phillies and the Diamondbacks going back to Philadelphia to see if the Phillies can close things out and go to the World Series themselves, or can the Diamondbacks keep their dream sequence going? At BB isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. The Twitter account, the social account, the Instagram account. Producer Evan doing an outstanding job. FanDuel.com slash boring. FanDuel.com slash boring. If you want free money and then free money on top of your free money, we're going to keep you updated with Jonathan Bond's big, huge, enormous bet. He's only five wins away from 150 grand. All right. Today, we're going to kick off what is going to be a momentous week with Jim Joyce. What is it like? We know for the players, we've been seeing the players, we've been seeing the, the montages, we've been seeing all of that. But you got to ask yourself, holy mackerel, what are the umpires going through? What is it like for the umpires? To, to umpire in a World Series game on the biggest stage. Jim Joyce, our guy, the guy that you've been seeing in Geico commercials 
every other minute with Ken Griffey Jr., Jim Joyce. Three times he was umpiring in the World Series. He is our voice of umpiring on Baseballs and Boring was on before. It was absolutely outstanding, and he's absolutely outstanding once again. He is great. He talks about the commercial. He talks about umpiring in the World Series. He talks about some of the biggest calls. And he answers a question which I had, which was eating at me. You go back to Pat Holberg last year, the momentous, oh, he he umpired a perfect game. Well, did he? Did he? But Pat Holberg, for as Jim Joyce points out, that game last year in the World Series, where everyone said he didn't miss a call, Pat Holberg, blessing and a curse. Blessing and a curse. This is great, man. Like, I'm not just saying this. This is a great podcast with, with a great voice of the game, Jim Joyce. All right. We're going to have, we're going to keep him coming throughout the day, throughout the week, but we're going to kick things off. Here you go. The umpiring face of baseballs and boring, Jim Joyce. All right. One of my favorite conversations I've had all year was with Jim Joyce. Jim, welcome back. How are you? Pretty good, Rob. How are you guys doing over there? Oh, we're good, good. We're just, I'm commuting back and forth to Philadelphia. Uh, I love postseason baseball. It, it reminds everybody, and I said this, Jim, I said, you know, listen, every team that doesn't make the postseason should buy tickets for their players to go see the postseason, to understand what they're playing for, because as you can attest, it's a little bit different, right? Oh, it's, 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 it's unique, as a matter of fact, um, Postseason uh, is like a, a completely different um, part of the year where the play is it gravitates to a whole new different level. I I, I can remember uh, right around the first times I started getting uh, being selected for postseasons, and we would sit around and talk after the fact of like I had my first postseason, and I said, you know what's really amazing is they they run faster they. They get on the ground more. They um, it, the intensity is 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 two levels up, and um, you know, and I think that's the same for most sports is the intensity and everything like that. Because you know, I I'm not only a baseball fan, but I watch hockey, mm-hmm. and the first two weeks of the hockey season seem like the playoffs because it's just you know they're getting. <laughs> They're getting going and getting the juices going, but watching these playoffs this year, I think it's even more intense. Yeah. So when to go back to when you were first introduced to it, I mean, you're umpiring games and you're, and then you get the call to do it. Is it was when you step on the field and you start soaking in, and you're like, whoa, this is not what I, this is not what I expected. Well, exactly. You have to. You really have to take a step step back and take a deep breath and. It, it really is, is, I, I don't know if people really watch that close. I mean, I do because I was involved in it for so long and I'm sure you do because you're interested in baseball. <clears throat> Just watch the guy run down the, the, the first base line on a routine ground ball. It's totally different than it, than it is on June 1st. So, um, it, it's, it's amazing. And guys go to the wall. I mean, like, uh, you know, like Ken Griffey Jr. for, you know, they, they go to the wall and crash into it. They, uh, it's the, it, I can't stress enough how the intensity level is, is magnified by at least two times. So let's, so let's go back to when you were, you've done three World Series, correct? 
Right. Okay. So when you get that call to do that, um, from an umpire's perspective, you know, I, we focus so much on the players and the teams, but, you know, I'm watching these games and I'm watching these close calls. I'm watching the, the great calls. And, and I, what was that feeling like when you first got that first World Series call? Well, the first World Series I had in 99 was the Yankees and the Braves. And it was my first call to do a World Series. So naturally, my first apprehension was... Okay, I'm glad I got it, but now what do I do? <laughs> um, because you, I've never witnessed something like that. It, I mean, I had done the playoffs that, that year. I did the divisional series, uh, but to get the call to do the World Series is a totally different phone call. And at that time, though, when I first started, it was a rotation basis. Mm-hmm. So um, you could expect to get a World Series in a certain amount of time uh, only by contract. Now, um, right after that, as a matter of fact, they changed it to the merit system. And that next phone call for the World Series was even a little bit more special because it meant that because of the merit system, I was selected because of my work. Mm. And so uh, it, it was even a little bit more pleasure in that regard. And... But once again, the heart starts pumping a little faster, <laughs> and, and now you know that um, you know after your first round of the playoffs, you're going to be going to either you know one of four different cities mm-hmm. because you're watching the uh, LCSs to determine where you're going to go and stuff, and so you watch with a little bit more bated breath a little bit, and um, you can't wait to get there. And you can't wait until your heart comes down because after you walk down the field is when you finally get, you know, the juice inside it kind of finally slow down a little bit and you realize what really is going on. So, so I would imagine that, you know, of those, of those three World Series appearances, you can remember the games you did behind home plate. And, Absolutely. And so uh, how many of them were there in total? Uh, out of the three World Series, I had two play jobs because the first World Series, I was slated for Game 5, and um, I take it back Game 6, and the Yankees swept the Braves, so I didn't even, I got the second base, and I didn't even get close to the plate. Okay. <laughs> and then the other um, 2001 World Series uh, was that classic um, uh Yankees and Diamondbacks. I mean, that was oh man, that was that was unbelievable. Man, yeah, that was. And then uh, my uh, last World Series was 2013, which arguably was, uh, I think, the best performance by a crew of umpires in a World Series. And I'm being, you know, obviously, I'm a little bit, you know. on our side on this, but that was the last World Series that was done without replay. Wow. And and we had plays all over the place. I mean, that was the one where the game ended at first base on a pickoff. Uh, we had the obstruction, my obstruction called third base. We had um, just all, a lot of firsts from the umpiring perspective. So, But I can arguably say that it was probably the best performance by a group of umpires. And it was also the last World Series <clears throat> um, that was actually done with 
uh, six umpires. Okay. Uh, and so, so that meant everybody spun around and the crew chief would have had to do, um, it might have went one more year after that. I'm not real sure, but we didn't make it that far anyway. So <laughs> it was, um, but it was definitely the last World Series without replay. Okay. So I want to, I want to pick through each of them. The first one, the only question I have is, you know, you're in your first World Series and that you get the sweep. And is there an element of like, oh man, bummer? <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I, yeah. It, it, and it's more, it's more the fact is, is that okay, my next one's going to be my first one. Yeah. And yeah, I don't get that experience from the the one I'm in. And um, yeah, it was kind of a bummer type of deal. Uh, and. After the fact, you just kind of go, well, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. I'm not, you know, we didn't do anything to make this happen. Right, so right. you just kind of, you just kind of take it and, and, and you go on. <laughs> and, um, I was lucky enough to have the World Series two years after that. And I had game five in that one. Also, that was the Scott Brocious World Series, uh, World, uh, World Series game. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're precious. Hit the, uh, the, the 2-2 pitch into the bleachers in the ninth inning, and we ended up going, I think, 14 innings. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, to do, to do the home plate for a World Series game is one thing, but do, do it for 14 innings. I mean, first of all, we're never going to see a 14-inning World Series game ever again, like as long as these rules are in place, I would imagine. But, well, yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good summary of that. I I kind of agree with that. So so when you're going through that, so this is as you I'm sort of fascinated by this. So just bear with me, just because you're doing a World Series game behind home plate. The home plate, I would is the most pressure, and all the eyeballs are on you. Is it right. as you're going through that game? Do you sort of just get into the flow, just like feeling like, okay, you know, it's another game, or is this the element of my senses have to be keener than ever, and 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 the adrenaline's taking you through that 14th inning? How how do you feel in that game? Exactly right. This is not just another game. It's uh, it, it's the World Series, and it is one of those cases where. You can't even look down the road and say, okay, this might end here. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about, um, you know, if they 
with the rules that are in place now. Um, this is, all depends on, you know, which team is going to perform and when they're going to perform. And you, as the umpire, especially at home plate, you have to, you have to umpire the 12th inning just like the first inning. Mm. And it has to be, you have to be totally in tune to your surroundings and everything that's going on. And, um, you have to maintain it. Um, and I think one of the most classic ones was the, uh, Cubs, uh, Indians. I can't remember how many innings that went and how many hours it went. Yeah. But, Ted, but Ted, Ted Barrett had the plate that night and to this day might be one of the best performances in the World Series by a plate umpire ever. Wow. Wow. I know when, when you see that, you know, I want to get back to, to your situation, but when you see Ted do that, is it, is it just you're watching it and like, wow, he's on his game? Or is that something where you look at it after the fact and you get sort of the measurement of it? Do you just know it that, that he's, he's having this sort of perfect game while you're watching it? <laughs> Part of it's a little bit of sympathy for him. Yeah. Because it is, it is nonstop. And, but the beauty of baseball is, is that it's going to explode on you right away. And, <laughs> you know, pretty much that's what happened. And, you know, that explosion happened, um, I want to say it was what, 18 innings? Yeah. Well, well, the 18, uh, well, I know there was the 18 inning game, uh, 2018, the, the, the Dodgers Red Sox. Yeah. So. Well. This is, this is, I think this is the longest World Series game ever. Yeah. And it was, and it was definitely, uh, Cubbies and, uh, Cleveland, yeah. now the Guardians. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's exactly it. It's, you know, <laughs> my sympathy for Ted <laughs> being where he was at the time he was, but also then it, it is also a, a little bit, you know, being really kind of proud of somebody being able to do what he did for as long as he did it. And he did it very, very, very well. Right. So now we go to 2013. Which, which, which game did you have the plate for that one? I had the last one, 2000, uh, game six. Okay. Game six, the Victorino, uh, right. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so, but like you said, there were called all over the place in that. And by the way, Jim, I talked to Colton Wong a few weeks ago. And he was very open about being picked off, and he was so good, man. He was, he's like, I was 22 years old, and I thought, you know, for a year, you know, I was thought I was going to be labeled with this forever, and it, it it ended up molding me. I thought it was such a great perspective, but you know, and when you see a 22 year old kid get picked off like that, you know, <laughs> I, you know, the umpires well, make. You know, I'll be, yeah, I'll be I'll be very honest with you. I was in third base when that happened, and. I think I was a third base. I'm not really sure about that one. Uh, but when it did happen, it, you know, you have a little bit of sympathy there for him on you know, something like that. You don't want to see, you, you don't want to see a game end that way. I mean, whether, you know, um, it, it's something unusual, even though it goes down in the history books, it's something being unusual that ended a World Series. The first time a World Series never, a World Series game had ended with a, with a pickoff play. Right. And, but you also sit there and think to yourself a little bit, man, that sucks when it happens like that. And, you know, I, I can actually feel it because I know how that feels actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so 
and you also, like you said, you were you were in third with the obstruction play, the Middle Brooks and right. Saltalamaki throwing it down, and and um, right. so it's it's a very convoluted play, but you guys, but but you nailed it. What do you remember about this sort of the the flurry of? I mean, because again, it's a flurry, right? There's, there's, you right. said there's no replay. <laughs> the thing about that now is kind of crazy. There's no replay. There's, right. there's, it's just, you have to nail it and you didn't nail it. So what do you remember about the feelings right. of that? I remember the play going to the plate right away and Dana Jamuth had the plate and the ball going from, uh, Pedro, uh, Pedro, um, Dusty. Yeah. P- oh, Pedroia, yeah. Pedroia going to the plate to um, Saltamachia and the play and I just thought it was going to end there so I'm in position I'm out in I came out into the off the line in the infield because I know I got a runner coming to third base <clears throat> when Saltamachia came up throwing I went wow this could be I mean I'm just kind of you know backtracking reviewing what I thought at the time is this might be a close play and the ball was right past us yeah my first instinct is to turn and go to the ball because regular season you're only working four man, but in the World Series you're working six. And John Hirschbeck was behind me, and so I knew right away when I just kind of gave a little side view that John was going to take that was going to take the throne ball, and I had to watch what happened at third. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. And um, when the play occurred at third base, it was nothing more than instinct and experience. That's all it was. It's no time to think about it. It happened. I pointed, and I called out that interference, kept my hand up, and pointed. Dana at home plate saw it. And when the play went to the plate, um, you know, Dana – as his part of the play calls timeout and says obstruction at third base, we're going to score that run. Mm. And um, it all worked the way it's supposed to. And it, I mean, according to the rule book and everything. Sure. And it, and it was a cla- it's the classic obstruction at any base, whether it be first, second, or third. Right. And it was a classic uh, obstruction call. Because I can remember walking off the field and Joe Torrey standing there with a rule book in his hand. <laughs> Joe Joe Torrey was our was our boss at the time, and he had a rule book in his hand. We walked in and I just kind of looked at him. He goes, good "Job, you got it. You got it. One, you nailed it. One hundred percent." That must be a good feeling. I know that you oh, knew. That's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a great feeling. <laughs> well, well, and, and the thing about also, you had home plate for the for the final game. You were I, the thing. Obviously, I covered that series. And I remember, and a lot of people remember. Like, what are they doing? Keep pitching to David Ortiz. And I don't know if, like, from from an, from an umpire perspective, like you're you're worried about your job, but at the same time, you I don't know if you think what are they doing? Keep pitching to David Ortiz. Yeah, you know, that whole series, actually. And um, it was really kind of, you also look at the situations you're in and everything like that. And I agree with you. Uh, I pay attention that way also. And, um, but in retrospect, you got to admire it. You got to admire, admire <laughs> it a little bit of going after him. You know what I mean? And not, 
deflecting in any way. But um, that that World Series game, um, I felt that one was probably my was probably my best performance as a as a plate umpire in a in a playoff game. And and I even mean my other playoff games and divisional ACL or LCSs and stuff. I, I just I felt really comfortable that night, and um, it just it was just one of those nights. And I was blessed to be able to. Uh, I think my experience of, of the years that I had kind of took over a little bit. It didn't. It didn't mean that um, the butterflies weren't still there because they were there. Sure. But I just kind of settled in if that if that makes sense. Do you, do you go back and watch these games at all? Like for from from um, that perspective? Believe it or not, <laughs> no I don't. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> your wife does? My wife does. <laughs> She'll be sitting at the computer and we'll be sitting there having coffee or whatever and and, and on Facebook or on um, YouTube or yeah, YouTube yeah. or whatever, it'll pop up and she'll say and all of a sudden I look over and she's watching it. Uh, it was just, as a matter of fact, it just happened the other day. She was watching <laughs> the game where I had the obstruction call. And uh, and then also when that happens, okay now game you know, now game six comes up. So she clicks on it, and uh, she's amazing. She loves to do that. And, That's great. Um, That's and, great. You know, I think it's kind of cool because yeah, you know cool. she's actually she was involved in it for thirty years too. So. Yeah, that's great. Let me. So we talked about the Ortiz thing when. You know, there's so many moves and so many so many moves made by managers and controversial moves or moves that you know, or or maybe like the other night we had uh, Tori Lovello pulls uh, Brandon fought um, early and, and the crowd boos right. So I don't know from the umpire's perspective. I don't think that you guys probably verbalize it, get together, and say, "Hey, can you believe they're doing this?" But there's yeah. probably an element of like, "Oh, that's a that's an interesting, curious move by the manager." Right. No, I agree with that. I, that. That definitely happens, and you know, we we pay attention, you know, just as much as anybody else does out there. And um, I, I agree with you. The other night, I'm I'm sitting there. As a matter of fact, there's been a couple of them. As a matter of fact, where you know somebody's only gotten to 57 pitches or something like that. And but I think they've taken. I think they've taken. Well, I'll answer the Ortiz thing first. Mm. I think I think that was more managerial hunches than anything else and to stay away from disaster mm-hmm. I think today is more on the analytic side of numbers are telling you what to do and I think I wish I could I wish I could see the other the managerial part play more of a part than a, a, a page full of numbers mm. and I, I think that's in my humble opinion um I think managers are better in tune. They're sitting there watching. They're all baseball people. They're just not some guy off the street. And, um, you know, they know what they're doing. But I also know that there's somebody else above them that is calling the shots, though, too. Right. So well, I feel, I feel bad for that. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm talking to Rich Hill about this exact subject. 
and 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 the perspective of the umpire is an interesting one because you know I think Rich is he obviously had that game in 2018 where he gets pulled he's cruising into that I think in the seventh inning and and it's sort of the the one of the the examples along with the Blake Snell game of hey you know when you have a guy in the postseason who's dominating on that stage in that environment you can throw some of those numbers out the window from an umpire's perspective you must feel that when a pitcher is just in complete control you know and and, and whereas uh, you know that this guy is the stage isn't too big for him and he's going to be able to find you must have that vibe right oh absolutely you do i mean it's uh, you know i had lackey and um uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name right now for St. Louis. Uh, Waka. Oh, Waka. Yeah, yeah. Waka. Waka. I had those two guys. And, uh, you know, Lackey was on. Waka was on until the fifth inning. And, but, you know, McDaney uh, kept him in. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I didn't have a problem with that. I'll be very honest with you because the score went, you know, to five to nothing. And I didn't have a problem with that because he probably wanted to get one more, one more inning out of him. And I didn't have a problem with that. But also when you see somebody struggling though, and I didn't think Walker was actually struggling, but when you see somebody struggling, that's, you kind of wonder, okay, what's going to happen next? Hmm. <laughs> but on the other regard, when somebody's rolling and seems to be rolling, I'm kind of disappointed in that because it's going well. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't see some, I, I have a problem with taking somebody out with two outs and just because they either gave up a base hit or he walked somebody, the analytics are telling them in the, in the fourth inning, I need to take this guy out. I, I'm not a fan of that. Right. I'll be honest with you. No, and, and they're hitting spots and you're like, oh man, they're hitting their right. spots and they're feeling good and, you know, so. But um, the last thing uh, before I, I finish things off with the uh, your acting debut—I don't know if it's your debut—but uh, but so so Jim, this conversation came up last year. Pat Holberg, you know, by the measurements, by the amateur measurements—I don't know if they were switched by the measurements, by the, the the official measurements—but he had a perfect game in the World Series, um, and uh, so it, it led to a lot of conversation. Um, one of which was okay. Why, if a guy is that good and that much, we talk about guys being in the zone. Then why doesn't they? Why don't they just let that guy be the home plate ump the entire time? So, t- t- so I, I am fascinated to hear from you because you, you, whatever you say is what I'm going to go with. So why, why isn't that the case? What is the case for or against it? Okay. First of all, um, Pat Holbrook has a fantastic game. I'll be the first one to tell you. But I also will tell you this. It's the best thing ever happened to Pat Holbrook, and it's the worst thing ever happened to Pat Holbrook. Because, first of all, the reason that baseball doesn't broadcast the scores of the umpires that they collect, that are the official scores. And, first of all, it... Um, you know, we know what the scores are and how you scored, but the public, it isn't done just for the perspective of, uh, it, it will be challenged all the time on who's right, who's wrong. And the site that said that Pat, 
Pitt had a 100% score. God bless him for that. But I'm also going to tell you that it's probably the worst thing to happen to him because now everybody's going to expect, expect Pat Holbert to do it every single night, and mm. it's impossible. Mm. It, can't, it doesn't happen. And there's a reason you move around in rotation, and you just can't work the plate every night. First of all, if you have the same two teams every night and you're the plate umpire, it'd be like umpiring the Savannah, Savannah Bananas. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it just, it, it, it's, it, first of all, it's not healthy umpiring wise and it's not healthy baseball wise. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, um, I will say this and I'm, and this is with discussions from a lot of people and me sitting in replay when I was still working. That box on TV is not 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that from fact. I was sitting in, I would be sitting in replay, and you can ask any other pilot that's ever sat in replay or whatever. There's two feeds, a home feed and a way feed. You can at times look up and the pitch comes in. The away feed might, uh, might have it in a, uh, in a certain location and the, and the home feed is in a different location. Mm. And so, until they work that out, I don't see any way how you can depend and 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 say that this is one hundred percent accurate because it's not. And that I don't know who does the one that's on the computer all the time, but I guarantee you this: that is not even close to being accurate. Yeah, yeah, and and that's obviously you know I probably what Pat was being measured on, and so I'd be fair to say as good a game as Pat had, and like you said, great game, excellent game. But there's probably been a, a I don't want to say a lot, but a good amount of umpires, home plate umpires, who had probably had equally as good games by the measurements of that's not the one being used on uh, online. Is that fair yeah, to say? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely fair to say. Hmm. And I know the same name keeps coming up all the time. And I will tell you this, he scores well in the Major League Baseball um, um I don't even know what they call it, the ABS system or something like that. But, you know, uh, and and God bless him because he goes out there and does it just like everybody else does. And he scores well in the Major League Baseball system. Um, The other one could be a skew to make him not look as good. And I think it's done to a certain degree because of reputation kind of intentionally. Hmm. And, um, that's all I'm going to say about sure. that. Sure. So, so when, when I, you cut out for a second. You said who scores well? Um, I'm not going to say. Oh, oh, I'm saying. Oh, I got you. Okay. I, okay, that's why you cut out. Okay. All right, no worries. Um, I'm, I'm, using, I'm using it in general. general yeah, 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 yeah. No, so it's, it's, it's not, again, it's, it's a fun thing to, to have, but it's not necessarily the be-all, end-all, and the accurate way to do it. So... It's not gospel by any means. Yeah, right, right. All right, finally, I was uh, I, I there's only one look one commercial I've seen with an umpire uh, <laughs> in recent memory, and so when I saw this, and first of all, when Ken Griffey Jr. is in a commercial, you got to pay attention anyway. And then I saw saw like wait a second, that looks like Jim Joyce. That. <laughs> And, and and you have the history with Ken Griffey, right? Ken Griffey Jr. Yes, 
Yes, I do. And um, Ken Griffey Jr. was just a kid at 19 years old. It was my first year in the major leagues in 1989. My first contract the year I'd been going up and down for two years before that. But my first actual on-staff year was in 1989. It was Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie year. And Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. took a couple pitches down the on the plate and he didn't like it and he turned around and he said a couple words to me and I ejected him and he never argued he just he, he actually if you watch the video of it he turns around and walks away he's got that big Ken Griffey Jr. smile on his face and Jim LaFever came out and he said you can't run the kid you can't run the kid and I said well let me ask you this can I say this to you and he says no you can't say that to me and I said he can't say that to me either <laughs> now the back story to that is the next day Ken Griffey Jr. came to the locker room and apologized Yeah, and you know he had the hat on backwards the big junior smile and he came in he goes I was you know I was just having a bad day and I apologized, and we said, oh, everything's good, and he turned into my favorite player right there. It, he, he was, was he ever ejected again? No? I think one time, 12 years later. Okay, so... He was ejected twice, yeah. and I think the next one was when he was with Cincinnati. Okay, so so the commercial comes about, and I would imagine, have you ever been in a commercial before? Uh, I did a small one for Gatorade a hundred years ago. Okay, okay, but so how <laughs> does do very well. how, how does how does this how does this work out? Is it where like Ted Griffey's part of it, and he's like, I want my guy, I want my guy, you know, to do this, or do they come to you? How does this work? I think part of it is well, it's, just to start off, uh, when when a sponsor of baseball is going to do a commercial. Baseball tries to use either a current or a retired umpire, mm -hmm. and, and that's it's just good for all of us, you know, in the umpire business and stuff like that. So uh, this was going to be a sponsored, Geico's a sponsor of baseball, so they wanted to use either a current or a retired umpire. Griffey being retired seemed only natural to get a retired umpire. So they asked Junior about it, and Junior says, how about Joyce? <laughs> and so baseball, oh, actually it was in, in actually the president of the, of the umpires union, Bill Miller, called me and says, what do you think? I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm retired. <laughs> and he says, okay, you have our blessing. You know, if, if they want you to do it, go for it. So then after that, the front office from baseball called me and asked me if I'd do it. And I said, naturally, I'd do it. It uh, sounds like fun. And actually, that's what it turned into. It was nothing but fun. <laughs> where, where was it? In Orlando. And it was 97 degrees and about 95% humidity. <laughs> And I was in full plate gear for four hours, four or five hours. Oh. And he, had, he had a nice Hawaiian shirt on, know. so, uh, you know, he was fine. And that was probably the first time you put on the gear in, what, how many years? Well, since 2000, end of 2016, 2016. so what, seven years, seven yeah. years I had, and, and, and that's kind of kind of funny too, because they asked me, do you have any umpire gear? And I said, no, I 
I've given it to all the local associations and stuff to amateur umpires and stuff. And so they had to give me a full set of not only uniform, <laughs> hats, but umpire gear. And I was in full gear. I mean, yeah. shin guards, chest protector, mask. Of course, the mask, you know, the mask was probably a good idea because, you know. <laughs> Well, it was well it, because you're behind the mask. I'm like, oh, maybe you know, I c- couldn't quite tell. But then, then what sealed it for me was, and maybe I'm looking too much into this. When, when the final scene, when he walks away and his wife is arguing, going to go after you, and and he says, "No, nah, Dory, he's done it before." Like, yes, <laughs> he's done that to me before. And the funny <laughs> thing about it is, I was talking the other day, and. Uh, I just jokingly said, Ken Griffey Jr. was my first ejection in the major leagues. <laughs> Melissa Griffey was my last. So. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, well, hey, listen, Jim, listen, this, always, this is so much fun, man. I, I really appreciate everything and, and, uh, I, I'm glad everything's going well for you. And if, uh, if you need anything at any time, just let us know. I promise you I'll do that. Thank you for the opportunity. It's much appreciated. And as always, stay safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.